morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. We welcome you to church this morning. I know there are many that are out today sick and uh, recovering from surgical procedures. But God has been good to us, and we're in the house of the Lord, so let's worship Him together this morning.
morning's tithes and offerings. And then we're going to jump right into our time of meeting and greeting together before uh, we continue with worship this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we just love you. We glorify you and we magnify your name today. Father, we are here in this house gathered in your name to worship you today. Father, Lord, I pray that you would bless the gift and the giver. Lord, I pray that you would, those that have to give, Lord, let them be able to give liberally. Lord, if there's someone here today who cannot give for whatever reason, I pray today, God, you would bless them so at some point in time they can give back for all the blessings you bestowed upon them today. Father, I pray today that, Lord, you would let every song that is sung, note that is played, scripture that is read, messages that are given, be for the advancement and the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. Let everything we say and do, Lord, welcome your Holy Spirit in this place, and you inhabit the praise of your people, and you make residency with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray and ask these things. Together, the people of God said, Amen. Amen. And you bring your tithes and offerings during our meet and greet this time. God bless. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. We're going to let you get back to your seats this morning uh, before we open up in Scripture and in prayer today. Uh, let me uh, just make a couple of quick uh, announcements to you, and then immediately following that, we have some special uh, requests that we want to bring uh, to this body. Uh, the biggest one this week, I just want to remind everyone that is 55 and older uh, of our Pillars Breakfast that will be coming up uh, on Saturday, July the 29th uh, at 8.30 at Little Pappy's in Monk's Corner. We already have a really strong presence in that um, restaurant. They know us by name. 
Uh, most of the people that do the work around the church, they go there two or three times a day to eat breakfast or lunch or both at the same time. And, uh, and we've been there on Sundays. And if you feel like that you're missing out, just go with Brother Dennis or Brother Henry because they know them by name. In fact, the other day I walked in there and she said, you didn't bring your other two guys with you this time, trouble and more trouble? I said, no, I left them at home. And uh, so they, uh, so if you're able to join us, um, you'll get to meet Amy and Ashley and all of them, and uh, they'll, uh, they'll treat you right. So just remember, that's coming up this week. Uh, if you are a first-time guest, let me just say thank you for joining with us today. Some are joining online. Uh, we have a lot of folks today. Uh, that are not here for various reasons. Uh, we, uh, Brother, Ta- Brother J- uh, Brandon, Sister Tana, and all of them are out today. They are sick today. Uh, they Brantley had gotten a fever, and then it's now just been passed around to everyone in the house. And so that whole family is uh, down and out today. Um, and so we want to pray for them. Sister Jennifer got a call this morning um, that she needed to go and help her family, help her dad and mom today. So she's with them today. That's why you don't see her singing, see her this morning playing and singing. So we want to pray for her family today, uh, and we also, um, Sister Joanne uh, has a son that's having a major surgery, uh, some health-related serious surgery on Tuesday that we want to, uh, Tuesday afternoon, that we want to pray for, I think it's 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific time that they'll be having that surgery. So we want to be praying for him, it's very serious uh, surgery, we want to make sure that we uh, uplift him in prayer. And there are countless others that are not here today uh, due to... Uh, Sister Patty's not here due to a recent um, heart procedure, and so obviously she's not here, so Sister James is not here because someone needs to be with Patty, and so uh, the list is, the volume, if you will, of requests is endless, and so while we are glad you're here, there are many that aren't here today, and so when uh, Brother Randy comes around here momentarily to read scripture, he is going to also lead us in prayer, and we just want you to, as the body to be made aware of those requests as well. So this time I'm going to have uh, Brother Randy come lead scripture and prayer. Immediately following that, we will have our special selection of song today and jump right back into worship. God bless you today. All right, those that are in that section, yep, if those of you that are in that section or can get there, if you'll gather around there, right there where we are, today and, and we're going to just have special prayer for, for Amy, was that correct? Did I have it right Amy? Amy and her family today. We're just going to believe God for supernatural strength today and he's going to just touch her in a powerful way. She came to the right place because the great physician resides in his house. Heavenly Father we have come before you in this house in the solemn assembling of ourselves together. We are humbled to be in the presence of an almighty God. Father today you have sent Amy and her family by our way God, for such a time as this. Lord, though we may not know the nature of why the hospital is necessary, we know that there is a God who sits high above heaven and earth that knows all things in from beginning, first and last, and knows exactly how everything is supposed to work and to be joined together. Father, today I pray that while Amy may be weak in body, may be tired in spirit, may still not feel 100% herself, I believe that the great physician, the balm of Gilead, the the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the sweet rose of Sharon can supernaturally touch her today. For your word tells us you were wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon you. But by the stripes of the blood of Jesus Christ, healing is given to the body of Christ. So today, God, I am praying today you would let healing virtue flow. 
that when she leaves this place, God, she's not only encouraged spiritually and emotionally, but God, physically in her body, she can say, I went to church and I was in the presence of Almighty God and something changed in the atmosphere. Something changed in the room. And I can't explain it and I don't know how to say it other than God walked into the moment and God healed and did exceedingly and abundantly and above that which our mind can think or comprehend. That when she leaves this place, she can know that, God, there was a prescription that was not to be fulfilled at CVS or at Walmart, but there was a heavenly prescription that was given out by the great physician where the no other name under heaven and earth could have done, but that name that brings healing is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way. He's still the only way. And so God today, let healing reign in this place, and we will forever give you the praise and glory of honor. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray in the body of Christ together. Said, Amen. And Amen. shall slay the wicked, and they shall hate the righteous, shall be desolate. And they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. I uh, also want to remember this morning when we go to prayer, Brother Jeff, he came this morning feeling terrible. He's been out in the heat all week, asked for prayer, and then told me that his brother, uh, he's got one in Florida in the hospital with a stroke. I'm in Columbia, rather, with a stroke. His other brother in Florida just had a stroke, and he's in the hospital down there. So remember them. There's a whole lot of people that need touch from the Lord this morning. And I believe he can touch them. I believe in my heart. The Lord just touched me. He's touched my family. He's touched people in this congregation. He's lifted them up. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, believing, believing that he will touch them. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, you've heard the list of people that need your touch. Lord, I pray that you will be with each and every one of them. Those that are recovering from surgery. Those that are in the hospital still. Those who are homesick, burning with fever. Those that are on the road having to work. Those that are just having to stay home because they are just totally exhausted, Lord. Those that are fighting battles not only here but in other places, Lord, because they have family that's in the hospital. Lord, those that just have a need of a touch from you pray that you will be with each and every one of them and lift them up and strengthen them. We have people here fighting migraines, Lord. I pray you will touch them. We have people here pregnant. I pray that you will be with them every step of the way. Lord, we have people in this congregation that just have a need of the Lord, unspoken. Be with them. Keep them. Lift them up. Keep them in your care, Lord. Lift them up in your arms and cradle them, just like you do this precious baby that's here this morning. Be with them and keep them, because we love you, Lord. We trust you, and we ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. This time, Sister Sherry and them are going to come and lead us in song. Uh, I also forgot to mention, also continue to pray for Sister Mary Weaver, who is uh, still taking her cancer treatment, and also Sister Barnes today is under the weather. I forgot to mention that. I saw 
Uh, a few minutes ago, uh, she was not able to be here, but she is under the weather today. So we want to pray for her and keep her in our prayers today as well. So worship with Sister Sherry and Sister Erin as they sing this morning.
Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's declare today that we serve a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend. It is the name of Jesus Christ. This whole song just says we're going to bless the wonderful name of Jesus for there is no other name that we know. So let's worship the Lord.
for that today, church. We love you, Lord, and we glorify your name today. We love you and we glorify you. Let's worship the Lord. This song literally just says that God can still do it again. Today we're going to believe that no matter what you're going through today, God can still do exceedingly and abundantly above that which our minds can think or comprehend today. And Lord, we just want to worship you today. We ask for you to do it again, Lord. Lord, in our hearts and our lives, God, Lord, will you show yourself to be real again? Lord, we magnify you today. Oh, we love you, Lord.
Father, for some in this house today, I believe that song is more than just a song today. It's a heartfelt cry. There are people in this house that have had many tears and sorrows. There are people standing in this house and watching online. They've had questions not only about tomorrow, they're questioning today. Some people in this house, they don't know the right from the left. They don't know. It seems like everything's falling apart around them. They don't know what's going on. But God, it's in those moments, those lonely hours, that those tears fall in stained pillowcases, that there's a sweet spirit that walks into the room. A holy hush of heaven sweeps through the doors. And there's a consolation that no doctor, no anxiety medicine, no psychiatrist or psychologist or pastor can fix. But there's a consolation no matter what we're going through, he who began a good work is faithful and just to complete it. I never, you never leave us nor forsake us, but you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's a consolation that I'm not there alone. When I walk into the oncologist's office and they say, I've got cancer, it wasn't caught catching the great physician by surprise. The great physician already knew the diagnosis before the PET scan ever made it known. When I stand at the bedside of dying loved ones, it didn't catch God by surprise that someone was transitioning to their home in glory. God was already in the room waiting to take them from Jordan's swelling tide across to the great divide. Lord, when people have heart attacks unexpectedly and pass out in doctor's offices and then end up having to have heart surgery, nobody was caught off guard. We might have been, but heaven never was caught off guard. Lord, our trials have only come in our life to make us have strong faith and believe in a God that sits high above heaven and earth. Can I believe the words of these songs resonate and marinate with people's hearts in this house and watching online today? And God, I have come by, Lord, whether or not it's through a song or through a message, I've come by to remind this body of believers and remind those watching online and those who may string this later that whatever they're going through today, that through it all, through it all, they just have to trust in Jesus. They have to trust in God. Nothing else matters. They trust you. Because, Lord, when we, can, we know we can depend upon your word because not one dot, not one tittle, not one promise has been left unfulfilled, but God fulfills his very word. If God says I'm a healer, then cancer has to bow down. If God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, God knows how my body's supposed to work. If God said that I can save my household by the way that I live, God can put my marriage back together. God can bring my wayward children home. If God's word says that he who's began a good work is faithful and just to complete it, that means God's still in control of any situation I'm going through today. But we have to trust and depend upon your word. God, I know there are many that are out today and sick in body, some that are working, some that are traveling. The list is endless. But we're here. And ultimately, God, you're here. And that's why we are here. Because we came by to meet with you. Father, in the moments we are getting ready to unbreak and unfurl the holy pages of Scripture, I pray, God, you don't let me be heard. Or seen. God, I am not 
anything special. I'm just a mere mortal man made out of flesh. There are many men and women in this room, God, that could stand behind this sacred lectern and probably more eloquently declare the word of the Lord than I. God, I am not ignorant to the fact that there are people in this house, this is their first time worshiping with us. And God, I hope that that whoever, whether they're a first-time guest or they've been part of this family, whether it's for a week, a month, or for years, I sure hope and pray they didn't come to hear a good get-me-over speech. I sure hope they're not expecting some doctor of theology or religion to be preaching to them today. It doesn't matter what the credentials are on paper from scholastic and academic studies. While knowledge can be powerful, while it is important, we can have all the book knowledge, we can have doctoral degrees, all we want to, but unless the anointing of Almighty God walks in the room, it is nothing more than just a speech. God, I don't want to give a speech today. I want to give a word from heaven today. I don't want to give just another get me over, but God, I want a rhema word. I want a fresh word. I want the wind, the ruah, the breath of Almighty God to win this house today. God, I want you to blow. There are people in this house that's hearts are breaking. There are people in this house, their marriages are crumbling. There are people in this house, they're sick in body and have un- unexpected doctor's appointments. And, and God, they've got diagnoses that have them terrified. I want God to speak to them fresh today. God, I'm asking you to take a coal from the altar of heaven. Anoint these lips of clay. It is not this pastor preaching, but it is the word of God speaking to someone's heart today, and I'm just the vessel and mouthpiece to relay it to the people of God. God, I am a firm believer in your word. Your word does not return void, but it accomplishes the task it was sent to do. So today, God, I'm asking you to send the word. Send the word. Send the word. Let us not have a famine of bread and water, but of the word. Lord, let us not have that kind of famine. Let us get the word from God today. Let this be a house of bread today for someone's heart today. Father, I ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to which we commit all of this in their loving arms and care. Together, the people of all said amen. 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 As you remain standing, I'm going to ask you quickly to grab your Bibles. I want you to go, we're going to read three passages of the scripture today. I want you first to go to the book of Psalms, book of Psalms chapter 139, the book of Psalms chapter 139, we're just going to read one verse there, Psalms 139 and 1, we're also going to be in Luke chapter 12 today as well, and then we'll finish up in Genesis chapter 45, all of these are just one verse each, we'll start out in Psalms chapter 139, let me say if you're a first time guest today, that we welcome you to the Santee Circle Church of God. I am not the youth pastor, I'm the real pastor, I know I look young and beautiful, but I'm older than I feel because I told my wife when I got up this morning, can I call out of work today? I'm tired, (laughs) I'm tired. We drove all night, Friday night, to get home early Saturday to get back on the ground, boots on the ground with different things happening. Sister Patty and others, it just things were going on. We need to get back and try to be here in case anything needed to happen. And so we drove all night, but um, that's for the birds. That's just, that's rough stuff. But uh, we're here. We're excited to be home. I do believe I 
have a word from God. I, I struggled all week trying. I, kept, I took all my books with me to Kentucky. We had a wonderful time, but I took all my books and study materials, and every night I tried to think and pray about it. And It wasn't until late last night that I felt like that the word of the Lord came into full scope, if you will. I hate when the, sometimes that it's late, the late night hour or the last hour, if you will, but um, just hearing of the stories of what's been going on and what's been happening around this parts and what's been going around, I believe God knew what he wanted today. It's going to be an interesting, I think, service for you today, and you're going to probably think, wow, what happened to the preacher? He goes on vacation and he lost his mind. Just stay with me. I will, I will get you through this quickly and exponentially. Psalms 139 and verse 1 simply reads this. Oh, Lord, if you guys will throw it up on the screen for me. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Don't misread that. Don't misread what the writers, Psalms 139, is saying. There are things about you. I had a conversation with someone last night. We were just talking about when people don't have pastors and things happen in their lives that pastors are not... You know, whether they're out of church or whatever, but they lose a, a pastor or a religious leader. I told them how sad it is when things happen in their life, when happen in people's lives, they can't call on the pastor. They're, and that person said to me, he said, yeah, you know, if something were to happen to me a couple years back when I was kind of in between some things in my life, I, I didn't really have anybody that knew me. Can I tell you, I may not know a lot about you. You may not know a lot about me. But he knows everything about you. And you need to know everything about him. You've searched me and you've known me. Look at Luke chapter 12 verse 2. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed. You can't keep God, keep secrets from God. Nor anything hidden that will not be made known. You can ask Jonah all about this. You can try to run and hide from God. But God will find you even in the middle of the ocean. He'll find you. You can't outrun him. You can't hide from him. Now Genesis chapter 45 and verse 1. Joseph could not restrain himself anymore before all those that stood by him. He cried out to his servants, make everyone get out of here. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known. to his brother. Now read what I just read to you. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nothing hidden that will not be made known. Joseph could not constrain himself anymore. He couldn't keep hiding who he was. Yes, he might be in Egypt, but he could not hide what his DNA was. He was a child of God. He was in a foreign land, a pagan land, but he still had good roots. He could not constrain himself. He made himself known. I'm going to simply talk for a few moments to somebody today. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. But somebody here today, I'm telling you, it's time to stop living behind the mask. Stop living behind the mask. You may not, we may not know the real you, and you may not know the real us, but he knows you, and he wants you to know him. 
It's time to peel off the mask. There's nothing secretive to God. There's nothing that He won't reveal openly. There's nothing you can hide from Him. I'm not asking you to tell me all your dirty laundry, nor do I need to tell you my dirty laundry. I'm telling you it's time for us to get before God and pull off the mask and try to stop snow jobbing God and just get real with God and say, God, I'm not who I need to be. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the woman I'm called to be. It's time to take off the mask and start living from behind the mask. Heavenly Father, I pray you would bless this word I'm about to preach to the people of God today. Help me to be, Lord, a special anointed vessel of God. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers thereof likewise. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. People of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated in this house this morning. As many of you know, the last couple days, my wife and I had the esteemed opportunity and pleasure to be able to go away for a couple days uh, or about a week or so with her family and on vacation to Kentucky and we did different things. Some of you have, have followed our journey via social media. You have commented. You have, my wife, I tried to stay off social media as much as possible. She would say, oh, well, sister so-and-so commented or brother so-and-so commented. In fact, one of the posts, uh, we were showing all the stuff and different things and Sister Brenda Burbage had saw where Kentucky on the western side had been getting blitzed with rain. It was flooding. So she sent a message to my wife and says, do I need to come rescue the pastor in a boat? And I said, it doesn't have to be flooded. Just come get me now. <laughs> Why do we have to wait for the rain? Just take me home now. And, of course, my wife was like, stop it, stop it. I said, I'm ready to go home now. And it wasn't that we weren't having a good time, but, but I... We were on Sunday, we were uh, at a place where I didn't have any cell phone service, and I was getting antsy. I was like, I, I need to call Sister Carol. I need to know how many people were at church. I need to know if anybody was out. Who's sick? What's going on? She said, you're on vacation. And I said, I know, but I have no cell service. I can't watch the, sh- I can't watch the service. I can't comment on the service. I can't nothing. I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm deadlocked. There's nothing I can do. And, and uh, she said, just, just settle. It'll be all right. And we had took a large group together. But do you know, maybe you don't know, but I'm going to tell you, can I just tell you, when you take a large group of people, after a couple of days, things get tense. I had a wise old man one time tell me that family members are like fish. After three days, they begin to stink. That's good preaching, even if it wasn't biblical. My, our family, we had a great time. But you could tell kids were getting tired. Parents were getting frustrated. Parents were getting frustrated with other parents. It just, the, the tensiousness in the room, nothing until, but just people were tired. They were getting irritable. It was, just, it, was just, it, was just, it was just getting rough. But you know what I noticed, Brother Wayne, while we were there? As soon as we'd walk into a restaurant, as soon as we'd walk into where people from Kentucky didn't know us, Southerners from South Carolina, it was like we were the Waltons. And I just thought we were, we were about to punch each other's throats out in the parking lot. Now we're walking in here like we're the, you know, we're just the Walton happy family of the Brady Bunch. We're just the more of the merrier. When we hate, we're out there screaming at each other in the parking lot. I hope they don't have security cameras because we're hypocrites. We walk in and we're all like, oh, yeah, it's party of 13. We'd love to sit here. And we're like, no, we don't want to sit with none of us. Half the family don't even want to sit with each other right now. You know what would happen? We'd eat dinner. All was great. You know what happened? We'd get back in the parking lot. I was like, what happened to the Waltons? Where's the Brady Bunch on here that we just had at dinner? Tensions were in the room. Sometimes life throws us unexpected detours and things like that, and we have things we don't expect. I I read to you out of Psalms 139. I read to you out of Luke chapter 2, but I, I was very strategic in what I picked today with the help of the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 45. Rachel and Leah had been feuding for many years. In fact, their lives had constantly been turf wars 
vying for the attention of their husband, a man by the name of the patriarch Jacob. They had battled from boyfriends to homecoming queens to sibling rivalries that had had twists and turns. Now they finally are married, and even in their marriage, they're at odds with each other as siblings. They get so frustrated that one of them goes in, she's able to have a kid, and the other one gets so mad that she's having kids, but she can't have kids, so she sends her servant girl in there to give her surrogate children. Well, when the other person sees that the the servant girl's giving children, the first girl sends her servant girl in there. They're trying to see who can one-up the other. This is the biblical version of the Hatfield and McCoys. This is just nothing more than a good old family feud. Finally, when it's all said and done, these two ladies, along with their servant girls, have produced for Jacob 12 sons. But out of all of his sons, one of them rises to the top. The youngest at the time, before Benjamin was born, was a boy by the name of Joseph. He was the firstborn of Rachel, but towards the last of Jacob's sons. Joseph was the apple of his father's eye. Joseph was, if you will, his daddy's boy, his pride and joy. See, life will give you detours. You ever went out in a hurry to go somewhere and realized you had a flat tire? That's a detour. I shared with the Wednesday night class last week or two weeks ago when I was here. That right before we were leaving for vacation, Brianna was on her way to work that Monday. And she was headed out to work. And I was headed out to go see some of my family, my aunts and stuff. They were having a cookout and they were hanging out together. I'm almost to my aunt's house and my phone rings and it's Brianna. And I realize this is an odd time of the night for Brianna to be calling me, you know, based on the time. And all I hear on the other end of the phone is, where are you? I said, I'm headed to my aunt's house. And she said, well, I need you to come get me. And I was like, oh, God, what happened? I thought she was in an accident. She said, I blew out my tire. I said, where? She said, on, on I-26. And so I go out there and I let her take my car and she ends up being late for work and she was kind of upset because it was her first late ever in her career. But she finally gets to work. I'm waiting on the car to get fixed and change the tire and all that stuff. We didn't ask for that. But like we woke up and left the house and said, you know, today's a good day for a flat tire. But you know what we didn't get to do? We didn't get to change the narrative of the story because whether or not we liked it or not, guess what we had? A flat tire. I could have sat there, I could have been like those Jesse Duplantis type preachers, the name it and claim it, God's good, my jet's flying in this weekend to take me somewhere. I could have said, you are a tire, but you're not flat. You know what that tire was going to be? Flat. I could have Kenneth Copeland that thing to death, but I'm going to be stuck on I-26 for a long time. You know what I needed? I needed to jack it up and change the tire. That's how it was going to get off the road. The reality of it is life throws detours. Speeding tickets, broken ACs, house fires, divorce, loss of children, the death of a loved one. Sometimes things happen we didn't want. Sometimes we didn't even ask for it, but we got it. Hello, preacher. The reality of it is they still are unexpected detours of life. This young boy, Joseph, receives the majority of his father's attention. He is even granted a new coat of vibrant colors. At 17 years old, though, his life drastically changes. It'd be like the equivalent of a high school senior. His life changes, or her life changes. Trouble begins to brew. Joseph has to endure some various detours on his life's journey. There would be unexpected twists and turns, but finally it would come to a head about 13 years down the road. About 13 years down the road, Joseph is living a life 
behind a mask. At 28, 27, 28 years old, and we'll discuss this in a little bit later. If we don't finish it today, we'll pick up part two next week, but we'll, we'll discuss it. About that 27, 28-year-old range, Joseph's life changes from being a Hebrew to being an Egyptian leader. It's not that he's intentionally living a lie, but he is living behind a mask of someone he was not originally called to be. You say, well, Pastor, I know Joseph's dream. Yeah, I hear the dream, but, but God did not call Joseph to just live in pagan lands. He still called him to be a child of God in the midst of pagan lands. That's why I believe that Peter, the Apostle Peter had it right when he said, we're just pilgrims or sojourners. We are in this world, but we're not of it. We are here, but we're called to be children of God. We're not here to make this earth our final resting place. Heaven is our final place. We're just along for the ride. We're just here for a journey, a season. Now, if you know anything about Egyptian culture, Egyptian cultures had two things. One, they were very famous for their makeup in terms of they would paint for mummification. They would paint the pharaohs and the leaders they would have. And what it was to do was to alter the appearance of their humanity and make them look more like deity. And even some of them in, in, in times of when they were having great feasts and festivals and things like that, they would actually wear a brass or a gold-plated helmet that could be the, the face of like a, a, a lion. It could be a face of a, of a lynx. It could be a face of like a greyhound dog. But they would put it over them, and basically you would only see their mouth, but, but the rest of them would have like this creature-like, if you will, helmet that they would wear to, to denote who they were. Even when they would bury their pharaohs, when the Pharaoh would die and they would be mummified and they'd be placed in the crypts and the tombs of the kings in the great pyramids, they would actually make brass replicas, if you will, or molded sculptures of a face of, of the Pharaoh. And they would paint it with all the royal regalia and place it over the face of the physical head of the Pharaoh and bury him with a mask, if you will, on his head. Joseph is living behind the mask. I want to walk you just briefly, if we get through it, great. If we don't, we'll pick up next week. But I want to walk you briefly through some of the things that led to Joseph having to live a life behind the mask. See, I want to tell somebody here today, I know I've been gone for a week, and I know I, I watched the service eventually, and, and Pastor Art last week did a wonderful job morning and night, and I, I saw the Spirit of the Lord moving, and, and I, I heard the prayers that were being offered up, and I thank Him uh, for that, and I appreciate that. But, but I came by to remind somebody, and, and granted it, it's been a week ago since I've been here, or two weeks ago since I've been here, but I want somebody to know today, but you may feel like you're living behind a mask, but God knows who's behind the mask. I may not know who you are, who you truly are, and you may not know who I truly am. You can put any mask you want to on, but God knows who's the man or woman behind the mask. See, it doesn't work. You don't get to pick and choose what you reveal to God, everything he knows. See, the first thing I realized is there was a perception. Joseph had this, if you will, perception about him. As a teenager, he begins to have what we call dreams. He has these innate dreams. And these dreams are, the first one was he saw all of his brothers and him, they all have a bundle, if you will, of grain or sheaves. And what happens is they're all standing there and Joseph's grain of uh, sheaf of grain is, is in the center and all these other, if you will, bundles of grain bow down to his. 
Well, he tells it to his brothers, and his brothers get mad. Their perception was, who do you think you are to think you're better than us? You're the runt. You're the baby of the family. You're the nobody of the family. You're nothing. What, who makes you think you're so much better than us, boy? Their perception was he thought he was haughty, high and mighty. They even made fun of it. Ooh, the dreamers in the house, the revealers. They made fun of it. Why? Because they knew who he was. Then there was the next one. The Bible tells us he has another dream where he sees the constellations, if you will, a line, and all the stars, there were 12 stars, but this time there was a sun and a moon. And of these 12 stars, all of the 12 stars, 11 of the 12 stars, and in the sun and the moon, they all come together and they literally bow down in the heavenlies and the constellations to one particular star, which was his star. This time, though, he tells mama and daddy. Jacob says to him, boy, what do you think? That your mother and I are going to be your servants? What's wrong with you? Who do you think you are? Don't you, don't you think, don't let your, think you've got these big boy britches and you're bigger and bad. And you, boy, you better remember who you're talking to. I'm your father and she's your mother. You better recognize who you're talking to me. We're not going to do that. But the Bible says that even though Jacob, if you will, chastised Joseph, and even in that moment probably perceived it as the, him being slightly disrespectful, the Bible says, though, that Jacob kept these things near to his heart. Because even though Jacob reprimanded him and told him that basically don't get too hot, get high and mighty, and even though the perception on the forefront was, boy, who are you talking to? In his heart, Jacob knew that God was a revealer of dreams. Well, how do you know? Because Jacob was a dreamer. Every time Jacob needed a word from God, it did not come from a prophet. It did not come from a pastor. Every time Jacob's life hit rock bottom, you never had the prophet Nathan come or the prophet Isaiah come or the prophet Amos come. No, every time Jacob's life was in teetotal torment, he would lay down, try to get rest, and God spoke to him in visions and dreams. When he's running from his family, when he's running from Esau, he lays down at a place called Bethel and he goes to sleep. And in his sleep he sees a ladder descending with angels going up and down the ladder in the heavenlies. And when he wakes up, he names the place El Bethel, which means the house of God. He said, for I know that I have been with the Lord. When Jacob's life was upside down, to total torment, he sent his family across the river. And he said, God, I don't know what to do. But the Bible said there was a man that came like the likeness of the Son of God, an angel. And they began to wrestle all night. And Jacob finally in the morning, the angel says, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. See, Jacob maybe felt like he needed to downplay Joseph's dream, but he couldn't let it out of his heart because he knew God spoke in dreams. He had saw it. He had experienced it. He knew it. The perception was he was someone different. The ludicrous claims it seemed like. Can I tell you that not everybody will perceive or see the things that you see in your life. There'll be people that'll come up and say, Pastor, I believe God's given me a vision, a dream. This is what he said. And some people will laugh at you. They'll ridicule it. I tell people all the time, you know how you know if it's really a word from the Lord? We don't have to bash the dream. Somebody says, Pastor, the Lord gave me a dream. And he said, I'm going to be on TV and I'm going to have 5,000 subscribers and followers. And I'm going to build a mega church in the center amongst Conor, South Carolina. That is wonderful. If that pastor walks in and says that, I'm going to say, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Let me know when you break ground. Forty years down the road, if they still hadn't broke ground, you know what had happened? They had Mexican food. That's what they had. That wasn't the Lord. That was, that was Mexican food. Because if God gives it, 
God fulfills it. Now you can dream anything you want to dream and conjure up anything you want to conjure up. Psychology and psychiatrists will tell you all the time that some things are just battles of your mind. Some things you just, that's what all of these schizophrenia is all about. You're seeing things and perceiving things that aren't there. People all the time see things that aren't there. You ever, lay, you ever been in a hospital room with someone, they start talking out their head, and they're seeing things you don't see? You're looking around the room with like a sixth sense going, what do they see? But I'm telling you, there have been times I know they saw something because I watched them as they were looking at me, but it was like they were looking through me, and all of a sudden they could perceive something. And within a few minutes or within a few hours of time, they had transitioned from this house to the house of glory. I couldn't see who was in the room, but they perceived somebody was in the room. There was an unseen person in the room, and they took that hand, and they went on to glory. Sometimes people won't perceive what you perceive. They won't see what you see. They won't feel what you feel. And when they can't, they'll make fun of who you are. Of who you are. We like to use a spiritual word to describe this. It's called the spiritual gift of discernment. Being able to perceive things that are going on in heavenly places that maybe other people can. Discernment. Not everybody has the gift of discernment. You know how you can tell the gift of discernment? Pentecostal church. What? You don't really have to have a really good spiritual gift of discernment in Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Episcopal churches, Catholic churches. I mean, yeah, it might be nice to have the gift of discernment to see if he's a crook in town, but a deacon on the elder boards at church, that might be great. But you know where the best gift of discernment is really manifested? Pentecostal church. How? I'm glad you asked. I know all of you want to know the answer, so I'm going to give it to you. It was just a rhetorical question I was going to tell you anyway. Speaking in tongues. The people who can't explain it try to downplay it. They try to make fun of it. They try to pass it off. Why? Because they think it's crazy. It's ludicrous. But where's the spiritual? Oh, you said, Pastor, you said that there was a spiritual gift of discernment. Yes, can I tell you everything that talks in tongues ain't the Holy Ghost? There you go. There's discernment. Because I've been in some church services. There was a lot of speaking in tongues I didn't understand. But I can promise you God was not in that room in that moment. Well, how do you know, preacher? Because you'll know when he's in the room. You'll discern him. God doesn't hide himself. He'll make himself known. You'll discern it. And there's a lot of preachers, and you listen to this, Pastor Kelly. We ain't going to get through all this today. We're just going to hit part two. But, but there's a lot of preachers. Let me give you an example. I was at a conference one time. I'm not going to say who the pastor's name was because some of you may like him. You may watch him. You may support him. But this is what he said. They introduced him. He grabbed up, walked up, ran up, had a guy that was looked like he was a bodybuilder. And he was a big old boy, but he walked up. This big old boy was carrying the Bible for the man of God. He was an armor bearer. He, brought it, he laid it out. He did all the stuff. He grabbed a towel and he handed it to the man of God. He did all this stuff. The man of God grabbed the microphone and here's what he said. Everybody right now just stand up and start praying and speaking in your heavenly language. Just like that, like it was a switch. I looked at the person beside me and I said, that's not God. And the person said, well, how do you know? He's a, he's a man of God. He said, I said, no, 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 because God's not a light switch. You don't flip him on and off. God's not controlled by electrical current that runs to a wall where I flip it on when I want it and I flip it off when I don't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If you think you can flip him on and off, you've got the wrong Holy Spirit. I have been in church services. I've been in places where people, and I'm going to tell you, Sometimes it's hard. Some, I have left Church of God camp meetings, got in my car, and I've had to pray 
Brother Dennis, this prayer, God, if that was really you, you've got to let me know because I'm not so sure what I just watched was you. I don't want to question you, God, but I'm not going to follow a different kind of spirit either because I wasn't certain. And that was my own people, my own family. We're not talking about somebody else's church. It was our people doing it. People have, there are pastors all over this great nation that have learned to monopolize and to propagandize the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are song leaders and song directors that have learned, well, if I sing this song three times, Sister So-and-So is going to jump every time. If I sing this song, Sister So-and-So will cry every time. Oh, I tell you what, if we don't want to hear the pastor preach today, all we got to do is sing when we all get to heaven about 17 times. And when somebody will jump up, now will make sure the pastor don't preach. So let's sing when we all get to heaven. No, that's not how that works. The Apostle Peter let him pray and preach. and I mean, the Apostle Peter let him sing and pray for six hours. Nine o'clock in the morning, they've been praying and seeking and doing all this stuff. And after this multi-hour church service, Peter says, Now sit down. God ain't done yet. He needs to give you a word because all of you right now have heard speaking in tongues, but you're confused. So sit down so I can explain to you. That's why the Apostle Paul said that I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but I desire the gift of prophecy over speaking in tongues because prophecy will edify everybody when speaking in tongues might not edify unless there's an interpretation. That's why I said if there be three times a tongue is spoken and there's no interpretation, let them be silent. He's not telling the Holy Holy Spirit to be quiet. He's saying there's no reason. God's not the author of confusion. Peter said, sit down, listen to the word. Most people now are ready to get out of church by 12 o'clock, must less be in church three hours, then have the preacher preach. I've been in those church services before. I'll tell you one thing I like about the AME and the African American Pentecostal churches, they do not get in a hurry. You better eat breakfast because lunch is not till six. I made that mistake one time when I served as interim pastor of a church for a couple of months after their pastor had passed away with a brain tumor. I went one Sunday. I'm not a big breakfast eater. First Sunday I was there, I pulled up. Church sign read 11 o'clock. I got there at 10.30. I sat in my car. Nobody was there yet. I thought, odd. Maybe I'm at the wrong church. About five minutes to 11, one car pulls up. I thought, Wow. It's going to be a real intimate service today. We're going to have Bible study at this point. 11.05, I'm still kind of sitting there. Cars start filing in. About 11.10, this guy dressed in a full-out suit, dressed to the nine, walks to my car, knocks on the thing, says, are you the bishop? I said, it depends on who's asking. He said, well, I'm brother so-and-so. I'm kind of overseeing things at the church or whatever. Are you the man of God for the hour? I said, yes, he Open up the door. He said, I need your Bible and your iPad or whatever notebook you do. I, I'm your armor bearer. I'm here to carry your stuff. Now, please don't understand this. I, I, believe, I understand that's cultural. I love them. I, I have preached for them multiple times since I have left there. I love that. As soon as he did that, I went to hand him my Bible, and the Holy Spirit checked me as soon as I went to hand it to him. And here's what he said to me in that moment. He said, do you think the podium is too big that you can't carry your own Bible? Who do you think you are? I called you. So who do you think you are to walk in here like you do this on your own? I grabbed it back and I looked at him and said, Brother, with no disrespect, I'm going to carry my own Bible and my own thing. I want You can follow me. You can walk with me. There's no. I understand what you're trying to do. But, Brother, I'm not too big and high and mighty. I know you honor and respect the bishops, and I appreciate that, and I love you, and I appreciate But I serve a higher power. I'm not any more different than you are other than God called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll walk with you, but I'm going to carry my own word. See, I can tell you, I don't care if our church grows to 5,000 people. I may take Brother Randy and Brother Shane with me because I don't want to get shot. That has nothing to do that I can't carry my own luggage. I don't want to die. 
I want to come home. But I'm telling you right now, these guys that come in where they have an entourage, somebody's got to carry their suit jacket for them, got to carry their Bible, got to carry their Gatorade, got to carry their luggage, got to pick them up at the airport and shine their shoes for them. That's hirelings. That's not shepherds. Jesus never had one person carry his bag for him, and he was the son of God. Jesus never had one person go ahead to walk in front of him and say, Jesus, let me carry your towel for you. Jesus said, I can do it myself. Jesus girded him own self with the towel and washed the disciples' feet. He didn't ask somebody else to grab the towel for him. Hello, preacher. You're quiet today. You must not want me to come back home. Probably wish I'm in Kentucky. I want to finish up here just a second on this particular point. The reality of it is this. I remember they escorted me into the service. They took me into the pastor's office. It was like a green room. Anybody's ever been in theater or think they, a green room is simply a room where they take like actors or guests and they put them in this room and they have all these various like treats. They have they have you know drinks and, and, and crackers and snacks. It's like a, a housing place, a hospitality room. Some people call it. They took me in this office. There's all these Gatorades. There's all these apple juices. There's fresh grapes and this bowl and everything. And he says, Pastor, these are yours. We didn't know what you liked, but we we stocked it for you, whatever. He said, we're going to start service at 11.15. He said, if you stay back here and you you pray, read your Bible, you know, whatever you want to do, however you feel led to do whatever, you you do whatever you want to. And about 12 o'clock, and that's when I knew I was in trouble. He said, about 12 o'clock, we'll come get you. I thought, 12 o'clock, bro, I'm ready for our Ryan's. I mean, come get me then. I was hoping we were going to be out by 12. I'm ready for Zaxby's. I didn't eat breakfast. I didn't tell him that, but I was thinking that. He said, no, no, no. And I said, well, what happens from 11.15 to 12? He said, oh, that's when we sing, take up the offering and all this stuff. But we'll come get you right before the last song, and we'll escort you in the side. There'll be a door that comes on the side of the stage. We'll escort you, and there's a big old chair on the rostrum, and we'll escort you, and we'll sit you down right there. I said, so basically you're going to parade me in front of the people right in the middle of the last song. He said, yeah, yeah, we're going to escort you as the man of God. I said, no, 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 no. If they come in to hear me preach, I'm not so mighty I can't hear them sing. I'm going in there. He said, well, yeah, but you might, need to, you might need to hear a word from the Lord. You might need to pray. I said, brother, let me help you with something. If I don't have a word from the Lord by now, I've missed it. And if God wants to change his word, he can change it on the stage in the middle of your song just as good as he can while I'm watching the big screen eating grapes in the back. So I went in there and I sat down and we began to have worship. That 12 o'clock must be suggestive time. That's not accurate time. Because I looked down at 12 and I said, he told me what the last song was going to be. And I was like, Sister Anna, they ain't sang that song yet. Where's that song on the program? We've read every greeting card, restaurant card. Well, who's having a buy one, get one special at their church next week? If you go there, we're having a church there. I've heard everything. And I'm like, I'm ready to get the buy one, get one now. About 1230, they said, Bishop, we turn that over to the bishop. I thought to myself, my dad was pastoring up the road a little bit. I thought to myself, my mom and dad has forgotten me for lunch. They already eating lunch. I'm done. I don't even have lunch plans today. I don't even have. I can't even go eat lunch with anybody. About 1:30, we I preached. About so let's see, 12:30 is about quarter. It was about one o'clock when we wrapped. When I finished up. They come to the altar. They start praying, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm all about prayer. I'm also hungry. I started looking at the watch. I'm sorry, I'm just being honest with y'all. This is what I did. Something like some of y'all did 10 minutes ago when y'all knew it was close to 12 and I was still preaching. I looked at that watch. It was getting close to 2 and I thought, my parents are going to think I'm dead. I'm not lying to y'all. This is God's honest truth. About 12, about 2.15, we finally got out of church. 
But I got back to my car. My cell phone was blowing up because my father thought exactly what I just said. I was dead. He was like, are you out of church? Where are you at? Are you coming along? I mean, I had like 45 messages from him where I was at. I'm like, I just got out of church. He said, what did you been doing? You preached that long? I said, no, I didn't even get it till 1230. I finished my one and they didn't let me go. You see, they didn't get into a hurry. Reality of it is sometimes we get in and out of God's presence in a hurry. And you, you say, well, Pastor, we, what perception? See, the perception, not everybody will discern and see things that you see and perceive things that you perceive. Sometimes God doesn't come the same way to everyone every time. None of other Joseph's brothers ever saw dreams that Joseph saw. So they ridiculed, they laughed at him. They, they didn't discern what was in his heart. But Joseph knew that he had heard from God. Can I tell you, if God ever told you that he's going to save your children, they may look like they're on the fastest track to hell right now. But if God said it, you can believe it because he will do it. Now, it might be like prayer stored up in Bob's head. You may die and go on to glory and not see it happen. But if God said he's going to do it, whether it's in your lifetime or not, he'll make sure it gets done. You see, people have perceptions all the time. Let me quickly get this. Miss Carol, as you come. Can I tell you there are things going on in the heavenlies right now that you can't perceive that are happening, but they're happening? There is spiritual warfare over your life, your family's life, your marriage, your church. Your there are principalities and rulers of heavenly, darkness and heavenly places. They're raging war right now while you're sitting in here. They're raging war on your health. They're raging war on your families. They're trying but if God be for you, who can be against you? He's fighting for you. Can I tell you that perceptions, though, oftentimes become reality? How do you figure, preacher? Because when I hear the cancer doctor say, I've got cancer, the first thing I think of is I'm going to die. Even though I know people have beat cancer, my first thought, my heart sinks in my chest, and I think, oh, God. This is it. Now, you may pull yourself out of that despair at some point, but in that moment, your heart automatically goes to the worst because that become perception became reality. Divorce. When the wife leaves or the husband leaves, the first thing you think is, oh, God, what did I do wrong? It's my fault. They abandoned me. They left me. What did I do wrong? You may not even ask for the certificate of divorce, but you got it. And you start thinking, because the perception of the time, at that point you start thinking, what is everybody in town going to think about me? They're going to think I'm a bad wife. They're going to think I'm a bad husband. What is everybody's perception? What's the church people going to think? What is it going to be like when I have to walk back into that church and face everybody after they know what I've been through? Because that perception has now become your reality. Bad kids. People start thinking, oh God, people are going to think I'm a horrible parent. i got hellions of children. No, some children are just hellions no matter how many times you beat them. They just have the gift of torture. You know why? Because you probably prayed early in your life, God give you the spirit of patience, and God said, how about children? You wanted the spiritual gift of patience, and God said, I can fix that. How about four sets of children? Hey, nothing, nothing will teach you patience, children. It's like God's special prescription to fix that. But the perception is when things are going wrong, you start thinking, what's the children's church director going to think about my little Johnny and my little Susie? What is the church going to think about my little baby? When we think that things are, sometimes we'll start taking the blame. We'll start thinking it's us. and We'll put, because perception becomes reality to us. 
Now I'm going to finish this next week, and I'll I'll piggyback this next week. So, Brother Shane, I'm going to need you to bring me my stuff next week again. That means I'm going to need you to come to church next Sunday because you're my helper. <laughs> but I'm going to have if you'll come and bring me that that I asked you to bring, Brother Brett. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to help me just because you're closer to the front. Brother Shane, if you'll come and bring me my secret object lesson. It won't, it won't kill you. Maybe. <laughs> Pretty. Check your heart rate recently. You good? Okay. Make sure. All right. See, in our life, life seems great. We'll talk about this more in depth next week, and I'll preach on it a little bit harder, but perception of sometimes is everybody sees this that we're okay but the reality is inside we're really not as okay as we think we are now, I don't know anybody's story in this room other than mine and my wife's but I'm telling you if you've lived longer than five minutes on this earth there's things about you that nobody else probably in this room knows about you and that you don't want them to know about you either so pastor what does that have to do with living behind the mask because for some of you Brett, I'm going to ask you to turn this way. Put your hands behind your back. For some of you, what's happened is you've been incarcerated by life. The devil's come in and he's locked you up. Watch. Watch. Let me know. They're all, they're good and on. Make sure our, don't, don't break his wrist. He's really not a felon. devil's brought you through. See, everybody see? I'm just turning you real quick. Everybody sees. Life's not as incarcerated. The devil has come in your life and he is, while everybody else sees this image, life's great. What's really going on behind closed doors is the devil has you or you can't get out. And the reality is this. Why don't you lift your hands and praise the Lord, Brett? Just, just lift your hands and tell God he's good. Because something's holding him back can't get out of his predicament that's the second thing I was going to second point we'll talk about next week but, but, but Joseph was given a predicament he didn't ask for but he got he gets basically put into a pit and sold he didn't ask for any of this but that's what he got see that everybody sees this in our life they think life's great but behind the scenes the devil has been tearing us apart and then I want to worship the Lord when I want to praise the Lord. When I, I can't because the perception is I'm putting on the smiling face. I'm walking into church every Sunday. And I want to shake Sister Ann's hand. I want to be a greeter at church. I want to be on the praise team. I want to help in women's. I want to. But I can't let them know. I can't. Because I'm bound. My past has me bound. My family has me bound. My marriage has me bound. My anger has me bound. My divorce has me bound. My health has me bound. My children have me bound. I want to, but I can't show them who I really am. Because I'm bound. I'm bound. Right now, if I had Brett stand before you and just smile, everybody would think it's great. He looks great. He's nice and fit. He's healthy. He's looking good reality of it is nobody knows what he's really going through because nobody can see what God sees because in the moment he's got on the mask when the mask comes off at home or 
and whoever that I'm not saying is I'm using this universally but when this when whoever said person is goes home when the mask comes off the real stuff shows up but can I tell you today the Bible said 2,000 plus over 2,000 plus years ago there was a great high priest a mediator between God and man who came down and transcended the portals of glory the Bible says that he went to embarrassed, humiliated, but he he went to an old rugged cross. He looked back between those that were down on the ground, dead in their trespasses and sin, enslaved to their wickedness, enslaved to their sinful lifestyle. But as he is strung high between heaven and earth, he looks up to the heavenlies and as he finally finishes all of his dialogue with God, he looks down, he notices, I believe Jesus could perceive things that he could almost see the devil in the earth roaming ready to take out all of humanity. With his final fleeting breath, he looked to the heavens and he cried three of the most powerful and iconic words that have ever been spoken in history. It is finished. You know what he was saying? Not, it's time to die, I'm done with this thing, let's move on. No, what he's saying is that whoever's in bondage, whoever's in sin, I'm going to read this to you. Stay right there, and then I'm done. I believe this with all my heart. I believe when Jesus was hanging up on that cross, he was high between heaven and earth. He remembered about six months earlier, he had went with his disciples into a temple to worship. Nobody was behind the sacred lectern reading the holy pages of Scripture, so Jesus got up, and he took a scroll out of the roll. Out of, the, out of the cabinets. Brother Wayne, he pulled out a scroll and he read this scripture that I'm about to read in the hearing of the people. I believe when Jesus cried, it is finished, he was remembering what he had just decreed about six months earlier. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and open the prison doors to those who are bound. You know what Jesus was? He was the warden. He was the sheriff. Because one thing he had, he said, it is finished. You ready, King? Okay, well, you're stuck. What Jesus had, though, the Bible says when Jesus said, it is finished, he descended into the lowest parts of the earth. The Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians, he said, Death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? He descended down and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And while the devil had a field day running rampant, to some of you in this room, he has had a field day with your life. What the devil didn't bank on is there was a game, there was a warden, there was a sheriff, there was a judge, there was a lawgiver. That one day would say, it is finished, and the Heavenly Father would hand over a keys to the Son. And say, I want you to go down there, and I want you to let him go. Because everything that's held him bound, and everything that's stopped him, and everything that's kept him bound, and he thought he couldn't get his hands up, and the devil told him, you'll never amount to anything. Your marriage will never amount to anything. Nothing's going to amount to anything. What happened is, what Jesus did, he said, it is finished. He said, what I'm going to do is, when I decree and declare it is finished, there's going to come a point, you're going to get out of those shackles. He's going to break the bonds. He's going to break the yoke. And there's going to come a day that everything the devil had you bound by is going to set you free because Jesus said it is 
I decree and declare to you today. I'm going to use those same handcuffs next week. So whoever wants to be my next victim, you're up next. Because for some of you, let me just borrow them. I'm not going to put them on. For some of you, next week I'm going to tell you what's still got you handcuffed. For some of you, it's your past. For some of you, it was that bad marriage. For some of you, it was alcohol. For some of you, it was anger. For some of you, it's bad attitudes. For some of you, it's lost or wayward or dysfunctional families. If there are people in this world, they put on a good mask, but they are incarcerated through their life. It's time to live from behind the mask and be set free for whom the Son sets free. It is free indeed. You say, Pastor, you don't know what my past is. Who gives a rip? God already knew it. That's why He went to Calvary. He knew you were a drug addict. He knew you were drunk. He knew you were a carouser. He knew you loved, you know, loved to, to be promiscuity. He knew, he knew it. That's why He went to Calvary. Set you every head bowed and every eye closed thanks gentlemen I appreciate it I'm going to ask this one time two questions number one is there anybody here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ and the full pardoning of their sin and they want to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ they want to make sure that they're eternally okay with God I want you to slip your hand up wherever you are is there anybody today that says they don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior alright my second question is this I wonder if anybody today would say pastor You're preaching to me today. I'm the man or woman living behind the mask. I'm not asking you to tell this body what the mask is hiding. I'm just asking you today to be real with God and get out from behind the mask. You don't have to tell me. I don't need to know. The Bible says don't judge the brother's got a speck in their own eye when you've got a plank or a two-by-four, if you will, in your, in your eye. Don't, don't ju- I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to tell you, get out from behind the mask. I wonder if anybody would be honest with me and God today. I won't call you out. I just want you to take a step of faith so that Jesus, the Bible says, if you're ashamed before him and before men, he'll be ashamed of you before the Heavenly Father. I wonder if anybody would just simply say, with no one looking around but me and the Lord, and I'm only looking so that I can acknowledge that I see your hand. I've already seen one hand that's up. I've already seen two hands that are up. People are already putting them up. I had not even finished. Thank you. God bless you. I'm the mask. I'm the mask. Can I tell you, those that have raised your hands, and if others, you can raise those hands, can I tell you something? Just a second. Are there any others that say, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the one preaching you preach to? It's me. Thank you. Now, with every head lifted up, look at me real quick before we pray. I want to tell you something. I'm not going to tell you who raised their hands. There's about four or five hands. I don't care. You don't need to know. But I'm going to tell you, those that raise their hands, you listen to this preacher. I know we're running to overtime. Gilligan's will have food, I promise. Just listen to me today. I drove nine and a half hours to tell somebody this because I remember sitting on the side of a mountain there in Kentucky and I was looking across the Great Divide and I remember thinking about, I wonder how many people's on the edge of a cliff ready to step off metaphorically and end it all, take their life, not only physically but spiritually. I, I wonder how many people are at their breaking point. They feel like life is over. There's nothing else to live for. I want to tell you something today. Those of you who raised their hand, you listen to me. I drove to tell you this today. You don't realize it, but I'm telling you, 
you will have a weight that you can't explain lifted off your shoulders if you'll lay down the mask and get real with God. If you'll try to stop hiding who you are. I'm not telling you to expose yourself to this body and tell everybody your dirty things. I'm telling you, don't hide it anymore from God. Be real today with God. Tell God, God, I'm having a struggle with my anger. God, my marriage is falling apart. God, I'm worried about my baby. God, I'm worried about my whatever it is. Tell God, take the mask off. The Bible tells us that when Moses came down off the mountain that his face shone with the glory of God and they put a veil over him because the commoners, the common people couldn't look at him because his face was illuminating, if you will, the radiating the glory of God. The Bible said when he would go into the Holy of Holies and he'd go into that temple to pray with God. The Bible said when God would call him in that Moses would take off the veil. You know what he's saying? He was taking off the mask so that God could see the real man. It wasn't that God couldn't see through the veil, but Moses wanted God to know the veil is not, not, I'm not, the veil doesn't make me. I'm the one God in this veil. I need you. Can I tell you, this is the Holy of Holies. This is the house of God. Take off the mask. Take off the mask. Take it off. Take it off. I'm not going to ask you to do this unless you're comfortable. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you raised your hand today, you believe that God has spoken in your heart if you're comfortable I want you to come and stand and hold my hand I'm not you don't have to if you don't want to come I'm not going to embarrass you nobody has to know what the mask was for just come stand here just just make a line grab hands just make a line we'll tell you something today I'll be right back we'll tell you something today you may not be the one standing up here today. If you live life long enough, you'll hide behind a mask at some point too. You want freedom? There's freedom in the name of Jesus. You want healing? There's healing in the name of Jesus. You want hope? There's hope in the name of Jesus. You want marriage restored? That's Jesus that does that. You want God to do exceedingly and abundantly that which your mind can think or comprehend? You've got to be real with God. Because when you're real with God, God will be real with you. And he'll make himself known. The reality is this. There's none of us in this room, myself included, that are above God. I don't care what the percentage. I know what's going to happen. I already know. That's why I asked them to come stand and hold my hand because I didn't want them to be on an island alone. I already know what's going to happen as soon as you walk out of this room. Some of you are going to Little Pappy. Some of you are going to Gilligan. Some of you are going to home to eat. But I already know how this works. I've been Church of God way too long. I was born, bred. I was a camp meeting at three weeks old. I've already been around this block. Somebody's going to leave church. They're going to be eating their Zaxby's, and here's what's going to happen. What do you think Brother Brett was in the altar for? What was his mask? What do you think Sister Brenda went up there for? What, what, what do you think she's going through? You know, I bet it's something to do with Ricky. Oh, I went, April, April's up there. Oh, I wonder what she's got. What, what she got? Mm. I don't know. We, you know, I bet Sister So-and-So know. Maybe we should call her and find out what, what's going on with April's family. What's happening with Brother James? As in, Mr. James standing up here. What's going on? Because creatures of habit, we like to perceive like we know everything. And I'm going to just be frank with you. 99.9% .9 of the time, we get it wrong.
we perceive the wrong things. We think we know, but we really don't know how much we really think we know. Who cares? I'm going to say to these four individuals standing up here today, and if any others raise their hand to them as well, I'm going to encourage them today. Who cares what these people think? I'm not trying to be rude. I don't care what they think. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. There's probably people watching online, maybe even maybe even sitting in these pews. They really should have been up here, but they're too prideful to do it. At least you were willing to tell God you needed Him today. At least you were willing to take the step of faith. Don't you be embarrassed that you're in front of this body. Don't you be embarrassed because God's proud of you today. God sees you made the effort today. The perception of man doesn't matter. What matters is what he thinks of you. And the Bible tells me that he thinks precious thoughts towards me because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So whether the perception is good or bad to those standing in front of behind me today, as their senior pastor, I want them to know and this body know I am proud of them today to take the step. Because I don't care what people think about me or think about them. All I want to know is what God thinks about us. I don't care what other churches in town are doing today. I hope they have a great service. But they're not my responsibility today. This is the assignment I've been given. If you raised your hand or maybe you didn't come or you feel still convicted, I'm telling you, you don't have to have the preacher do this with you. You can take your mask off with God yourself. Just talk to Him. Everybody stand all over the house today. We're going to pray over these before I turn the service over to our benediction leader. Eternal Father, I've done my best today to preach Jesus and Him crucified. God, there are hurting people in this house. God, the perception might be what's going on with this brother or this sister. Who cares? God, let him take off the mask. Let him leave this place in freedom, in wholeness. God, I don't know what they're facing or what they're going through. But I know the God who's able to do it. Even when we can't do it, for he can do all, we can do all things through Christ who gives us that strength. God, I pray that these men and women and others that may have raised their hands, God, they don't live under the perception of others. They live under what does the word of God and what does the heavenly father think of me. Let their life be made whole. Let their families be restored. Let their struggle be placed under the blood of Jesus Christ. And when they leave this place, they can truly say, God came to El Bethel, the house of God, and he met with me there. And he met my need today. May you bless us and keep us. Make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. May the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. People of God together said amen. Before I have the benediction leader to pray, thank you guys. I'm going to ask Storm if you'll come real quick. And I'm done. Tomorrow morning, before many of you wake up, his life is going to be forever changed. 
He's going to get a haircut. You better enjoy the lovely locks of love that he has right now because in a minute, a few days from now, he's going to look like his dad. Not, not because he lost his hair because they're going to take his hair. So he embarks on a journey in the Citadel. If anybody knows anything about the Citadel, it is a rewarding journey when you complete it, but it's an arduous journey through the process. Yes, they have different faiths that come in and different religious denominational affiliations come through one thing about the Citadel a little bit different than other college campuses you just don't walk in and get to talk to them and see them and you're, when you want to and he doesn't just get to leave campus when he wants to and just come home when he wants to that's not how that works now, Shane and Lori may not be able to go to the campus that often and Storm may not get furlough to come home that often Storm may not get to come to church for some seasons of time due to his scholastic studies we may not can go behind the sacred pillars of the citadel but I don't care who's the dean I don't care who's the colonel I don't care who's the CEO they can't tell God he can't go to the citadel and no matter what they indoctrinate say do whatever they all may have them all lined up and standing in an attention but what they don't realize is there might be someone that's standing right here by a storm but even though there's not a lot of room in between storm and that other individual there's another person standing in the line with storm. And I'm asking today, this church body, along with me here in just a moment, pray that the Lord goes to the citadel for four years. And when we're walking across lawns, when we're walking in unison, when we're walking in formation, when we're traveling to football games as equipment managers, when we're being yelled at, when we're having other people try to tear us down and try to break our spirit, try to break our willpower, all that, I hope that in that moment something whispers in his ear, I have precious thoughts for you, for I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Many are they that increase the trouble. Many are they that rise up against me. Many of them that say of my soul, there's no help for him. And Storm, they can't help you. But for thou, O oh Lord, you're a strength for me. You're the glory and the lift of my I want somebody to be in his ear that nobody else can stop talking to because the Spirit of God goes with him to the citadel. So stretch your hands out this way. Heavenly Father, as Storm begins a journey of faith, a journey towards his final destination of life and end goals that he has set. I pray that the Spirit of God travels to Charleston, South Carolina and makes residency in the dorm, residency in the mess hall, makes residency in formation, makes residency in travel, but everywhere he goes, so does Jesus. Everywhere he walks, there's someone walking beside him. Everywhere he lays down, there's someone watching him sleep throughout the night. Every time someone tries to break his willpower and spirit, there's a whisper in his voice that is heard in the depths of his heart that tells him, but I'm still with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm right beside you every step of the way. I pray that when he leaves this place today and embarks on this journey, he doesn't go alone, but he goes with Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen service tonight at 6 p.m. regular midweek at 7 on Wednesday I'm going to ask brother Mike King to close us out in prayer immediately following his prayer you're free to be dismissed God bless you we love you brother Mike